0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the HeartShare Group podcast. You can find out more information on the services we offer to support ministries and organizations by visiting our website, theheartsharegroup.com, or by following us on social media. I am very excited about the guests that uh, I get to talk to today because uh, a lot of similarities in our line of thinking when it comes to this whole issue of loneliness, and we're going to be talking about it today. We're going to dive in. And it is going to be uh, exciting. I tell you what, I just, I'm just i so excited. So uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Timothy Eldred. And uh, if you don't know uh, about Tim, let me tell you about him real quick. I'm sure you'll discover this during the course of our conversation today. Uh, but uh, he had a book come out that addresses the whole issue of loneliness and aloneness back in 2017. And uh, he's a seasoned pastor, speaker, and author, and uh, is an unrelenting voice, I love this, for releasing people's potential with a reputation for challenging the status quo. And so he speaks a lot, he teaches, he uh, travels, and his books have been read by a lot of people. He finds his home in Michigan and uh, really want to tackle this whole issue of aloneness and loneliness. And we're going to dive in just right now, Tim, just... I, I've got to ask this question to kind of get us going. So I, I have been. I, I want to hear your your story on and and when 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 did your book come out? Alone sucks. God's that cure out, for our human that, crisis that came out in two
1: thousand seventeen, and it's just it, it it just caught fire, and especially right now. Yeah, it just seems like every time there's a tragedy, you know, there's another there's another resurgence and another interview, and someone else wants to talk about because you know everything else we do with is a symptom as you know of right what you call loneliness i call aloneness right. same same thing but this whole this it's been a problem since the beginning of time so yeah
0: what what caused you to identify this as, a, as an issue because like you said you know when as we're recording this for those of you that are listening or watching uh, we're in the in the midst i'm hoping the end but maybe the middle we don't know the midst of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and of course, everybody's talking about being alone now because we're kind of forced to, but yeah. but obviously, you were talking about it years ago. I've been thinking about it years ago. For, for you, what was the catalyst that made this actually come up on your radar?
1: It's a lifetime. It's a lifetime, um, and I talk about, I unpack my entire story in the book. So, I've been sitting on it. I was sitting on it for a long time. Um, I had, um, I grew up the youngest of four pastor's kids. Um, I moved and moved and moved like, you know, I think I calculated like 18 homes in 18 years, you know, and, um, I don't know why that pops up. It's always in the middle of a recording, but, um, let me do this a moment. That'll get rid of it. But, There was always a sense of um not belonging mm. and I've carried that for fifty years i still I still battle with aloneness um there are times in my daily life, my family uh, ministry um, even you know surrounded um, by a crowd that mm. I just feel like I don't fit, and I don't know necessarily how to share that so I've, I I think it started as in, in my childhood by always having to fit in, and um, right. I think most of us struggle with fitting in, not knowing that we belong. Um, we're already adopted into God's family, and especially for those people who don't have any faith whatsoever, I think it becomes an even greater struggle, and I don't know what brought it to a head, but I sat on it for a very long time and just realized it was time to write on this issue of aloneness. And i'd outlined the book with my publisher and um i had three quarters of it completely done and in a quiet time one morning god said that's not the book i asked you to write you're gonna tell your story and i he and i had a an argument and um, <laughs> i lost it but i told him i said i'm not writing my story without my wife cindy's permission And I told her that I was going to write my story and rewrite the book. And I told the publisher, I'm rewriting the book. And he says, it goes to press in like, you know, two months. And um, so Cindy and I talked through it and agreed. And she said, you're going to be crucified uh, publicly when you let everyone know your entire story. And um, I haven't been, not a bit. Um, If nothing, it was not only cathartic for me, but it's been therapeutic for my thousands and thousands of readers who have said, Thank you for your being vulnerable and open and honest and transparent to let us know that real people have real problems. Mm. And so I, I don't think loneliness or aloneness um, plays any favorites with anybody. Yeah. The problem is we just we don't admit it. Mm-hmm. Especially in leadership, we don't admit it. Right. Because we are afraid that it is going to. Um, it's 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 um, career suicide. It's cultural sure. suicide. And we prefer we we prefer the lie in the first place. We've preferred the lie since the Garden of Eden, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's a trust issue. Do we do we trust people with our with our weaknesses and our shame
2: yeah.
1: and our problems and our sin? Um, no. We don't. And,
0: uh, do, you, do you think we've we have? Uh, I mean, kind of know the answer to this question. So, but, but maybe you can help me flesh it out. Do you think we have dropped the ball in in the church in the faith world of educating or teaching people how to really have those? Uh, you, you you use a word that I that I use a, a lot too, which is those authentic relationships and kind of taking the mask out. Where, where did we where did we drop the ball?
1: On I don't know, to, I, know, teaching people. I don't know if I know where we dropped the ball. I will. I don't want to be indicting, but here's where I've come to a point in my life. I am unwilling to allow people to live alone anymore. And um, but I don't want to be angry. You know, no one wants to listen to angry people. But I am angry and I'm frustrated because we dropped the ball. You use the word authentic like I do. Um, The mission of my life at this moment is to help people live with authenticity in an artificial world. Right. And I think. That the church. Is an artificial atmosphere. We create plans and programs and Mm -hmm. services and experiences for people to fill a void. Now, I know we're trying to lead them to a deeper relationship with Christ, but in our crowds and our services and our gatherings, where we're striving for size and attendance and numbers, we lose intimacy discipleship doesn't take place in a crowd intimacy doesn't take place in a crowd authenticity doesn't take place in a crowd i mean just the sociology of small group small group dynamics tells us that once we get out of a community of six eight ten people we lose what we had we Mm -hmm. think wow this is really good let's invite more people into this and as a result we go you know it's not the same as it was Now that we've invited more and more and more people to it. But then we celebrate the size, right? Like, wow, it's really growing, so it must be healthy. Is it? I mean, let's ask that question. Is it? So I am of the belief in 30 years of pastoral ministry that the church is guilty of propagating the problem. Inadvertently, Mm -hmm. right? Inadvertently. But this is not new. God told us in Genesis 2, verse 18, it's not good to be alone and that's that's not just about marriage it's more about humanity Mm. it's about everything that comes with connection and community it's the accountability is the support is the encouragement you know it's the ability to really then connect with people confess our sin confess our weaknesses confess our hurts share our doubts share our worries And so going back to just the premise of your question, have we dropped the ball? Yes, because we have a culture that doesn't allow the pastoral leader or shepherd to set the pace to say, me too. Here's what I struggle with. Because people don't really want to hear our struggles. They want us to wear a mask. It's like going to a grocery store right now. Now, some of your listeners may not appreciate, but I don't. I don't wear a mask. Okay, I live in the state of Michigan, we're sequestered for another two weeks, and then when I go to the store or the gas station as infrequently as I need to, um, I, I just I've chosen not to wear a mask. And whether people agree with that or not, there's a small percentage. It's becoming less and less because of people's frustration. But a small percentage of people look at you like, put your mask on. I. I Put your mask on. I think the same thing is true in leadership. When we expose ourselves and we are vulnerable, naked, and open with people, they say the same thing put your mask on. Mm. Yeah. We prefer you with a mask. We don't want to see it. We'd rather you breathe your own bacteria, you know, than show us what you're really dealing with you know you, you that's, used that's the problem
0: yeah you you use the word artificial which i like i like that too i like that word too uh i i talk about counterfeit sometimes because mm-hmm. i think we've we've traded what god intended for a real authentic relationship for an artificial counterfeit uh second it's not even second uh, choice it would be probably way down the list if god you know chose himself for us what he wants um And I wonder sometimes, you know, we live in a, in a world, you know, I talk a lot about, um, especially among millennials and younger people, um, technology and social media and all these, all these things that we can connect with each other. So it seems like, well, I've got 3,500 Facebook friends. Do you, do you really, can you call any of those at 2am?
1: You have fake book friends too? Yeah. (laughs) And, and, And sad, it's sad, but here's what we do. I mean, we We look at this, and i I am just as guilty of this. I'll look and go, huh, I've got ten thousand Instagram followers as if that's my identity right that's right these people they don't know me, and yet we we use that like it's this artificial means of um notice me those oh, people like me, and so it's just as exacerbating the problem yeah I mean social media can be a great tool, but I mean, nine times out of ten, almost every post that I see from people is just someone screaming, pay attention to me. Yeah, Notice me. Do I matter? You know, am I important? And if we don't get enough likes, we change it, we filter it, we delete it, we repost it. (laughs) That's right. I'm 50 years old and do the same crap.
0: (laughs) How do we, you and I are the same age, how do we get back to what real... Real friendship. I think it really starts with real friendship. You you talk about being authentic, and and understandably so. You know, pastors, ministry leaders, leaders in general. You know, you you can't you can't and probably shouldn't because it wouldn't be wise to be vulnerable and totally throw all your junk and you know, somebody's face that you don't really have that trust relationship with. Right, but you but you need you and I probably would agree you need a few of those people in your life. How how do you how have you done that? How have you figured out how to find those people so that you're not living in aloneness or this uh, cocoon uh, of self inflicted misery? Because because we all have stepped out and and again I think especially the younger folks that many of them tell me, well I've stepped out and I tried that and it didn't work. Yeah. So they um, tried it one time and they give up.
1: Yeah. I hear that, and there are gonna be times that we try that, and it's, people will use your past against you. Not even just your past, your present. People use your problems against you. It, become, it becomes a weapon. Jack, it's, um, there's no, as you know, there's no easy answer to that. I have a handful of people in my tribe. I would say that outside of my own pastoral, staff that I work with, um, I have a couple of people locally outside of my home that, um, I'm completely open and honest with, I mean, they could bury me. They could, they could destroy my ministry. They know my weaknesses and I have no problem sharing with them. And, um, nationally, um, I have a lot more than I do locally. And that's Mm -hmm. probably because they're colleagues. Right. And so they get it. Right. They, they get it. They can empathize with it because they, they they live in it every day. I think the only way to to build that kind of friendship is actually to take the risk. And but people have to go into it with their eyes open, knowing that not everyone is going to reciprocate.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, there is no I'm sorry, there's no safe way to do it if you're looking for safety then, re, then 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 it's not relationship right, right? i mean cuz even healthy relationships have their have their um, hurts and the holes that we fall into so I, there are times you can encounter people that you just cons- consider s- sacred or safe and kindred spirits that you feel like okay Um, It's like flying a kite. You don't just throw the whole kite and the ball of string up in the air at once, right? You got to let a little bit out, let a little bit Mm -hmm. out, let a little bit out. And um, if you don't sense somebody not just receiving what you're sharing, but reciprocating, that might be a warning to go, this might not be um, a long-term healthy relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, and now I'm, I'm, I'm reticent to say this because something you said earlier, and I don't disagree that, no, I don't think you need to expose your junk to everybody, right? But I do think you have to expose some level of vulnerability to everybody.
2: Right.
1: So if you're a leader, a manager, a CEO, a principal, a teacher, a parent, Right. If someone reports to you, if someone looks to you, if you have influence, then we have got to take people off a pedestal, beginning with ourselves. And um let people see. Because I mean, that's what builds bridges, right? right?
0: That's right.
1: What builds bridges is honesty. And so that doesn't mean it's like when when someone you coach someone to they want to give them to te- give a testimony what God has done in their life. Okay, give a testimony, don't brag about your past. When you coach them through how to share what needs to be shared and know to how to have discernment of when to stop. Right. It's the same thing in building a friendship. And, um, but we're not used to friendships where we know how to, and I I'm guilty of this. Um, I, 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 I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm really an introvert. Um, I'm a public professional extrovert. Right. So when I'm on a stage or in a stadium or uh, or whatever it might be, um, I can get up and I can perform. And I can perform in a small group, too. I can perform one-on-one. And um, I can let you see what I want you to see. I'm a great chameleon. And um, like you say, I'm just being counterfeit. But I'm a chameleon. That has not served me well. And so part of it, I think, comes from experience and age. But like you said, younger people listening, I I don't know that they have to go through life alone and learn the hard way if it would help them understand what a real friend looks like. I'm going to just a moment. I've got a document right here. A friend of mine, um, I'm a strong believer. <laughs> I am a strong believer in counseling and therapy. and. Mm. Uh, I have no problem admitting that, but a friend of mine who is a life coach for me right now, his name is Monty Hip. He has an organization called TheComplimenter.com. He really comes alongside of people and um, helps them discover a new um, path and mission for their life. And I'm I'm on one right now. But he gave me just literally two days ago definition to friendship. He says the single greatest definition of a good friend is not identified in the good times. It's identified where there's desperation and where your weaknesses are safe. Mm, Wow. Define where your weaknesses, desperation and where your weaknesses are safe. That is a rarity. Yes. But I, I do think that he is onto something that that is a strong definition, if not the best definition I've heard of authentic friendship
0: that's great that's great well and and i think you know again our our age younger older it's it's the human condition but especially it seems like in the younger age and maybe because they have more of their life left uh that that i hear a lot like you just said well okay i i tried to find that friendship uh, and, it, and it didn't work which my my answer is okay how, how's it working out for you just just bailing and giving up that's not working Right. And you know, if you go to a restaurant, you don't like it, you don't you don't quit eating just because the one restaurant didn't serve you well. You, right. Um. So, but especially, you know, I, I want I want to hit a quote that I read, kind of how I got connected with you, was this article that somehow somebody forwarded to me. Um, especially when it comes to leadership, because you you said uh, the loneliness of leadership is a self inflicted wound. And some of the people that you refer to are people that I know, too, and, and many of my friends, uh, unfortunately, have chosen a, a permanent path uh, yeah. out of the world to a temporary problem. But um, why do you think that is, especially for us as, as leaders? What can we do? What are some things that you would suggest um, for somebody who's in a leadership position to not get in that self-inflicted condition? Some of it is, I know what we're kind of talking about—friendship and and—but how how have you done that? You you mentioned a couple of those, but is there any other things that you would suggest to somebody who finds himself in that leadership position?
1: I think maybe that goes back to understanding, at least from my perspective, the definition of leadership. My job is not to call the shots, cast the vision, and tell people where we're going. That's not my job. Now, I think people think that is the role of leadership. Like I'm supposed to lead, I'm supposed to be first, I'm supposed to know all the answers. No, a friend of mine called me a few years ago. He was the chairman of my board at the time and he wanted to know if I knew uh, my job description. Now, this man's a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. He's got 140,000 employees. I happened to answer to him on my board. And so when the phone rings, I know his time is very limited. And so he asked me, Tim, what's the definition of your, your, your role? I mean, define, your, define your role as CEO to me. And I, said, it's, and I said that. It's to cast vision and build a team and lead a team. Click. He hung up. He just flat out hung up the phone. <laughs> I'm like, obviously wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought, he's going to call me back. And I better have a better. He just didn't even say, hey, I'll talk to you later. Just click. God called me back a couple of days later and I gave him the same answer with flowery words. And he said, listen, I'll call you back on Friday. Think about my answer, my question. He called me back and he said, I don't have time for you today to try to give me an answer. Let me tell you the answer, which you should already know. Your job is to release the potential of people, release their potential. The only way you release people's potential is give them the opportunity to work in their strengths, to identify mm-hmm. their weaknesses and make them co-equals and co-laborers in your cause, whether it be a congregation, a company, right?
2: Mm,
1: right. Um, family dynamics, marriage, you know, working together as one. We each have a role to play, but my job's not not to, to tell you the answers. My job is to ask better questions and let you figure things out for yourself. And so one of the ways to answer your question that I do that is I don't isolate myself in an office. Um, I, in the midst of everything I do, traveling 120 days a year, writing and speaking, and running a, another global organization, I still serve as the pastor, the lead pastor of a church that I um, helped plant 25 years ago. And um, for 25 years, Jack, I have never had an office in the church. And um, people say, don't you? Because even when we built onto the church and built onto the church and built onto the church, they're like, we need to build more office space for all our pastors. And I'm like, why? Because the policy in our particular congregation mm-hmm. is that you'll spend 75% of your time outside of the church and 25% of your time in the church. And if you spend more than 25% of your time in the church, it's grounds for firing because relationships are what change mm-hmm. lives.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yep. Not, not sermons, not Bible studies, right? It's mm-hmm. interaction. It's connection. It's community. It's how God reveals himself to us in mm-hmm. three persons working together you know equally and um, sometimes we take ourselves out of that working together and set ourselves apart into the i'm talking to pastors into the pastors' study who are you influencing my, my wife's a seventh grade school teacher and she says you think way too much of yourself you you in, you know the the average attention spans 12 minutes but you had to go for 45 because what you said was so important. She said, but 99% of people quit listening 30 minutes ago.
2: Mm.
1: So if you really want to change people's lives, it's not about what I say from the pulpit. It's what I do when I'm face to face in person with you. So okay. I've learned to be in person on purpose more than I am isolated because isolated, it's It's artificial. Right.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so and I know people may be offended by this, but our our sermons, while it's the word of God, I mean, the word of God does the speaking. Right. They're, They're again, they're they're built up. Why? Sometimes it's a notice me. He's a great speaker. Man, was that a great sermon. And it's no different than when I have a conversation with like individuals like you or people on a face-to-face conversation, we talk about aloneness, they go, absolutely, I agree with that. It's like the amen moment, and then they leave and do nothing. Mm. Sometimes the same things happens on Sunday morning, believe it or not, right? I give this great <laughs> message, and people go, oh, yes, great message today. Nothing changes.
2: Mm.
1: So for me, if I'm going to help people live with authenticity in an artificial world, I have got to leave the privacy. Now, there's times for isolation and solitude. Jesus shows us that in his own life. But how do we break free from that trap? We start spending more time with people than just planning for our time that we're going to be in front of people. Why do I call it self-inflicted? Because that's a choice. Mm-hmm. Just like I choose to go in my office and shut my door, I have to choose to open my door and leave my office and go where people are at. Mm -hmm. Then I choose who I invest my time in. Um, And it's like the friendship thing. I'm not going to share with everybody and invest in everybody, but I'm going to help others by example um, see what it looks like to nurture a healthy, Cohesive, symbiotic relationship built around authenticity and trust, and I think trust is probably mm, our greatest yeah. issue.
0: Yeah, yeah, it it is. I I was reading. Uh, I'm glad you said that because I was I was researching and doing some reading a couple years back, which was another kind of um, idea of the catalyst for putting this stuff in a book wh- uh, about the guys who co-founded Airbnb. Mm. Uh, and, um, they're being interviewed and, and the interviewer asked them, you know, what'd you guys start this company for? You know, it's probably to make money. Cause this is a great idea. And of course, Airbnb, at my last reading was, you know, one of the top hospitality entities in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, they said, actually, it wasn't about money. It was about community. And so I'm like, okay, I got to hear this about community. And so they go on to talk about, you know, if you stay in a, in a, a two-story townhouse, you know, in D.C. instead of a hotel, but somebody's townhouse, and they tell you the the cool places to eat that aren't going to show up, you know, on the on the hotel list. Um, they said that just builds that builds relationship with people, and you trust those people because you're staying. So it was just it was just interesting to see that even they're thinking about trust community in the business world, and sometimes we miss it in the in the ministry real relationship world. Um, your, your book, Alone Sucks, God's Cure for Our Human Crises, if somebody wants to get that, get in touch with you, uh, man, I could talk to you for many more hours, but I know you're busy. Ha, what's the best way for them to get connected with you or or dig deeper into this whole issue of aloneness?
1: Just go to alonesucks.com. And so there's a, there's a link to buy the book. I mean, you can buy it anywhere. I always tell people, I prefer you buy it directly from me. Jack, you're an author. You know that when you sell things on Amazon, you make 12 cents. Yeah. <laughs> so, <That's right. laughs> if they buy it from me, I promise I'll sign it and give you a handwritten note. And then I can connect with you because I do have additional resources that I'm, I'm writing and creating all the time with my own writing and podcast to help people through this issue of aloneness and authenticity. And so if they go to when they when they purchase the book or read more information, Um, There's curriculum for churches. um, There's sermon series for pastors um, that they can get um, through um, my my online store that can help them personally, um, privately, um, or give them a tool they can help with their with the people they serve and support.
0: Yeah, awesome, awesome, man. Grateful to uh, get to connect with you for a little bit today. Anything that I haven't asked that you're like, oh, I really want to make sure I get this in to share with people
1: no other than um it takes courage right Mm. so i'm this morning i'm working on my online sermon you know they're all all of us are delivering to a video right now and um i'm speaking on second timothy 1 6 and 7 that god has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power and courage right Mm -hmm. And while that's really about sharing our faith, um, we have to go back to that first part of it, not a spirit of fear. What keeps us alone? What keeps us from being vulnerable? What keeps us from trusting people? We're afraid. We're afraid of what might happen if we're honest and open. But what we have learned at the same time from experience, if we look back at our lives, is that when we do draw on the strength that God has given us to be open and honest, we do more good for others. Nine times out of 10, people will be blessed by our vulnerability. Yes, there's a percentage. I don't know if it's 10% or, but it's smaller, Mm. Of people who may try to use that to do damage. But our job is to help people and release their potential and get in their hole with them because they can't be whole, W-H-O-L-E, today, unless we get in their hole with them, right? Mm. So we have to get in their hole with them. The only way to remove aloneness, your own aloneness, if you're listening and you're struggling with aloneness, the only way to remove your aloneness is to choose to remove the aloneness of others. Mm. Think more of somebody else and you will come through the other side. Focus on yourself, and your hole will get deeper.
0: Wow, such good stuff. Hey, we're going to leave it there. And if you want more information uh, about Timothy, you can check out his website. You can link over from it from his uh, book website, Alone Sucks. Uh, I love that. Alone Sucks, God's Cure for Our Human Crises, is the book that we've been talking about today. You can find out about that and, of course, link over to find out more about him and how you can get in touch with him right there uh, through the website. And uh, we'll continue to have this discussion. Uh, If you've enjoyed today's podcast through video or audio, I want to encourage you to share it with a friend. And until next time, uh, reach out and build, and find community. If you'd like more information on today's topic, check out our resource page at our website, theheartsharegroup.com. You can also follow Jack on social media as well. Thanks for
2: listening.